Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the thing that God has prepared for those who love him. And if I hadn't, look what the blessing I would have missed out on. I am blessed as a result of following what God has called me to do. And people have said to me, they, they would say, oh, man, what great faith. you Man, that was like a serious step of faith and what great faith. And I tell people, that wasn't really faith to tell you the truth. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, somebody help me, not seen. Well, this whole process and God moving us here, God was being very specific. It was unbelievable. God was like in visions and dreams. Literally every single night, God was show. I was having a vision of what God wanted me to do next. It was like I I was starting to look forward to going to sleep that night to pick up on part two on what, okay, what's next? And God was showing me what I needed to do. And so when people say, oh, you had great faith, listen, that didn't require faith. That required obedience. Faith and obedience. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because now you understand that obedience and faith is different. The Bible tells us what we ought to be doing as believers. We do not need faith to to do what God has called us to do. We need to be obedient to do what God has told us to do in the word of God. It wasn't great faith on my part. It was just a simple act of obedience. As people were saying, oh, well, what great faith you have, and oh, how much you've given up to follow the Lord. Man, you sold everything, and you gave up a lot to follow the Lord. I went, I have given up. God knows. Here's the honest to God's truth. I don't feel like I've given up anything. I feel like God has given me everything. God has given me everything. I didn't give up anything. I sold a bunch of furniture, sold a house, sold a bunch of furniture and stuff like that. You know what? I got here. God gave me a house. Amen. And for some of y'all living in an apartment, y'all know how important that is. God gave me a house. I got a nice house. It's a small house. It's a nice house. I actually have more furniture in this house than I had in the other house. So God blessed me. God blessed me to be the pastor of a great church. This is a great church, and what I love about this church, I'm the pastor of an awesome multicultural church. I think that's important. I think that's important. Every nation, tongue, and tribe, there's so many people here from so many parts of the world. I mean, just last service, I had just sitting up front, uh, some friends of mine from India were sitting here, and they're here every single week. We've got people from from 
various parts of Asia, people from various places, uh, Spanish-speaking countries. Um, I don't even know if you know, but even during this service, even right now as I'm speaking, we have people sitting in a sanctuary with a hearing listening device in their ear because there's a gentleman in that back room translating my words in Spanish so that people who, can, who don't speak English can understand what's being said in the service this year. I want you to clap your hands because I think that's great. I think that's awesome. So God is blessed. I haven't given up anything to follow the Lord. Look at verse 31. Now we're going to finish this chapter, all right? Oh, y'all, y'all, want, y'all want to bet? Y'all, y'all, y'all laughing. Y'all want to bet? Anybody want to bet, Ruth, Ruth Chris? You want to bet, Ruth Chris? We're going to finish this chapter. Want to bet, Ruth Chris? Look, I tell you what, we're going to look. Look at verse 43 and then we'll end right there. I told you we're going to finish this chapter now. I have the mic. I can do some stuff up here, okay? Look at verse 31. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Then he took 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, and he'll be insulted, and he'll be spit upon. And they will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Isn't that good news? But they, in verse 34, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So Jesus, give me your attention, took the twelve aside and began to talk to them about his coming death in Jerusalem and things and the things that were prophesied by the prophets, that he was going to be delivered to the Gentiles, that he would be mocked, he'd be insulted and spit upon and scourged and beaten and brutalized, and they were going to kill him, but on the third day, he would rise again. But what I find very interesting here is Jesus spent, listen, are you listening? Jesus spent three years with the disciples, telling them, teaching them, instructing them, reminding them that we are headed toward Jerusalem. And this is not the first time that he's told them, in Jerusalem, I'm going to be beaten and spit upon and brutalized, and I'm going to be scourged, and I'm going to the cross. Jesus has been telling them over and over and over again, and verse 34 tells us that they had no idea of what he was talking about. Hello? It's like, whoa, whoa, y'all not listening? Over and over again in the scriptures, if you read your Bibles, you can see in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it was Peter who said it was, a pre, it, was a, it was the predetermined counsel and the foreknowledge of God that Jesus Christ was offered as a sin offering. Isaiah 53 clearly spoke of his second coming, of his coming and his suffering. It was Jesus himself who said, Lo, I've come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do thy will, O God. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared. So we can safely say, listen, Jesus is moving with his face set like a flint toward Jerusalem, knowing exactly what's what awaits him, but they had no idea of what he was talking about. Now listen, this next section of scripture is probably my favorite story in the Gospels. 
And if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you've heard this story before, then indulge me. We have the story of blind Bartimaeus. Look at verse 35, saints. If you're looking at verse 35, could you say a hearty amen? And then it happened as he was coming near Jericho. In the beautiful story that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And here in a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? Can you underline that in your Bible? What do you want me to do for you? You know, I asked him at last night's service, and I asked him at two services today, and now I ask you, congregation, if Jesus were standing in front of you right now, and he said to you, what would you have me to do what would that thing be? That's a pretty probing question. What, what would you have me to do? What would that thing be? I had to think about that. and I, I thought about it yesterday and last night, and I, I thought about it all night long, actually, and even into the day. And, and I thought to myself, you know, Lord, if the Lord stood before me, I'll tell you just personally, if the Lord stood before me and asked me, Rodney, what do you want me to do? I mean, we're talking apart from salvation, okay? Apart from salvation. What do you want me to do? I would say, Lord, I would like for you to find me like 15 acres of property in India. And I would like to, on one portion, parcel of the property, i like to build a school for pastors and elders. And, and bigger than we have a small school now, i like to build a bigger school for pastors and, and church leaders. And then on another por- portion of the property, I like to have an orphanage for HIV-infected children. If, God, if I could have anything I wanted, and God said to me, Rodney, what would you have me to do? I think that's what I would ask him to do. You think about it. What would you ask him to do? Well, this blind man, he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him in verse 42, are you looking at it? Receive your sight. Your faith has made you what? Well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. And when they saw it, they gave praise to God. Saints, stop right there. They're headed to Jerusalem and they come near the city of Palms. The city of Palms. That's Jericho. It's called the City of Palms. And while they're on their way, there was a blind man begging on the road. And this is a perfect time to beg, as many people are headed toward Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. This blind man hears the commotion, and he asks what's going on. Now, get the scene. Get the scene in your mind's eye. The blind man is sitting on this dirty, nasty street, animals walking by, and I'm sure it's pretty stinky. This man is hopeless and helpless and hoping someone will have pity on him. And as people pass by, he would beg for food. He'd say, alms for the needy, alms for the needy, alms for the needy. And think about it. Sitting on the road, begging 
was something that this man did every day. But this particular day was going to be a different day. This day, he hears more commotion in the distance, and it sounds like a crowd. And he's probably thinking, man, I hope I don't get trampled. And he asked, what's all the hoopla about? And somebody said, Jesus is coming by. And he's heard of Jesus before. Everybody's heard of Jesus before. Listen, the fame of Jesus in biblical days had spread throughout the entire known world. And isn't it interesting? The fame of Jesus, even today, is spread throughout the entire known world. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to trust in Jesus, but you know about him. Everybody does. The fame of Jesus has spread abroad. This man had heard of Jesus, so he hears that Jesus is walking by, and he starts screaming. And literally, in the Greek language, he starts screaming like at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they tried to quiet him down. And they probably said, shut up, idiot, shut up. But he got louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This blind man was desperate for Jesus. And he wouldn't be embarrassed. And he wouldn't shut up. He wants Jesus. And he knows that he needs mercy. But what I love is verse 40. Saints, go ahead and look at verse 40. All of a sudden, everything got quiet. And the procession stopped because Jesus did what? Stood still. Are y'all looking at that? Jesus did what? stood still. I love that. For a moment in time, this blind beggar has the undivided attention of deity. Mark chapter 10, you put the stories together, it tells us that Jesus called for him and he threw aside his garment, probably the blanket that he sat on day after day, and they helped him up and he stood before Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And he said, Jesus, I want to see And just like that, immediately he saw. Did you get this? No hocus pocus, no alakazam, no e pluribus unum, nothing. He was just healed, just like that, from total darkness to total vision, just like that. And then think of this. The first thing Jesus heals him, and the first thing he sees is the face of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The first thing he sees is the face of Jesus. Fanny Crosby, you know the name? Fanny Crosby, she lived from 1820 to 1915. Now, if you don't know her name, surely you have sung her song. She wrote many hymns. Jesus, keep me near the cross. I am thine, O Lord. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Draw me near. And probably the most famous, Blessed Assurance. Fanny, get this, was blinded at six weeks of age. One time, a preacher sympathetically remarked, I think it's a great pity, he said, that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. And she replied quickly, do you know if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I should be born blind? Well, why, asked the surprised clergyman. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever glad my sight will be that of my Savior. Isn't that awesome? I love that reply. And the first face to gladden the sight of this man was that 
of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, you cannot talk about blindness and the Bible and not talk about John chapter 9. Write it down. Go read it in your own time. But in John chapter 9, we have the story of the man born blind. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, the man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, but that God may be, anybody know? Glorified. Very good. And then Jesus spat on the ground. He made some mud. He popped it in the man's eye. And then he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And Jesus restored his sight. And they brought him to the Pharisees, and he explained what happened. And then they're accusing Jesus of being a sinner because he healed the man on the Sabbath day. Can you believe that? Instead, hey, ma'am, ma'am, great, you're healed. Man, praise the Lord, high five, you know, pound, you know, something. You know, instead of something, they're like, oh, we can't believe you were healed on the Sabbath day. I can't believe this man healed you on the Sabbath day. He should have done that. And they're questioning him and going back and forth with him. And the blind man in John chapter 9, verse 25, as they're arguing with him and accusing Jesus of being a sinner, the blind man said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know and I don't care. But what I know is I once was blind, but now I what? See. And every single Christian in this room knows what it is to be spiritual spiritually blind, and, and after receiving Jesus, they, can, they receive this sight. Any, can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We all know. I know. I know. I know. I know. My father, a drug dealer. Philadelphia, big drug dealer. My mother, she raised us, get us away from him in that lifestyle. And at nine years old, I started doing drugs. And I didn't stop doing drugs until I got saved at 21. So all of those years, junior high and high school, I don't remember. And all of those years, let me tell you something, I walked around with like a film over my eyes. I, I really couldn't, I, I couldn't see. I, I, really, I really couldn't see. It was like a film, like, like everything was just gray. And, and, and a film over my eyes. But then when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, January 23rd, it's like God, it's, it's, it's like as if God pulled a film off of my eyes and I could see. And I, I, I could see. And, 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 I, and I remember the very next day, the 24th, I was going to church. I had just gotten saved 12 hours before because I got saved at a nighttime revival. And, 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 and I was going to church, and, I, and, and I'm walking across the parking lot. Of, I was going to catch a bus to get to church, and I'm walking across the parking lot. I'm looking at the brown dirt, and I had never seen brown dirt before. I started crying. I was like, Jesus, thank you for that brown dirt. <laughs> that dirt is so beautiful. I mean, I was, I was in awe of the brown dirt. And then I saw grass, and I'm like, oh, my, I've never seen green grass, and I've never seen a blue sky. In my eyes, all my life, it looked like a gray sky. I'd never seen a blue sky. But when Jesus touches you and Jesus heals you, he gives you sight and, and that, 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 and that spiritual blindness goes away. And, and, and you can see clearly. 
and you can see things as God wants you to see things. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can see things as God wants you to see things. Notice we got to come in for a landing. Look at verse 43. I told you we were going to finish, didn't I? You better be glad you ain't bet me, Ruth Chris, because I will take your money. Hallelujah. Verse, four, verse 43, look at it, the, the, the used-to-be-blind man, now healed and saved, began to follow Jesus. The way of Jesus became his way. And he never went back to grab that blanket or that cup that he collected money in again. Why? Because when Jesus touches you and changes you, you don't need all those old things. Can somebody say amen? You don't need all those old things. And then again, you put the story together in Mark chapter 10. It tells us after Bartimaeus received his sight, the Bible tells us again, Mark chapter 10, you put the stories together. After he received his sight, Jesus said, go your way. And he followed Jesus on the road. Luke tells us rejoicing. And the interesting thing is Jesus told the rich young ruler to follow him. And he went away sad because he wanted to hang on to his stuff. Remember last week? But Jesus tells Bart to go your way, and he can't keep his eyes off Jesus, and he follows him. You see, for Bartimaeus, listen, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Once in a lifetime. This man is sitting on the road, no hope, helpless, hoping somebody would help him. He hears that Jesus is coming by. He's heard of all the miracles that Jesus has done. And now for this man, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because Jesus will never pass this way again. And can I tell you something? For some of you today, are you listening? For some of you today, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you right now. Perhaps Jesus will never pass this way again for you. You don't know when your last day is here on this earth. You know, I've been preaching for 22, 23 years. And I'll tell you something, it never became even more real to me, the brevity of life, than when my 18-year-old friend died, Jordan Gibbs, just about three weeks ago. And many of you that have been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know the story. He was at Jordan Lake with another family, and they were out swimming, and him and another brother for friend was racing to, toward the buoy. And the, the other guy made it over to the buoy. You probably heard it on the news if you hadn't heard it here. But the other guy made it to the buoy and no sign of Jordan. They didn't hear any splashing in the water as if he's going down and trying to, you know, hold himself up. No splashing in the water, no yelling for help, nothing. Just he got to the other side of the buoy and gone. There were even other friends on the shore and he just... Gone. Just gone. His mom and dad were at service today. They've actually, to tell you the truth, they've been at every service, prayer meeting. It hasn't hindered their faith at all. They blow me away. Only Jesus can uphold you in times like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Only Jesus can uphold you in times like that. It's like amazing. And, 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 and the only thing that we can conclude, Jordan swam well. He was going into the military in a diving unit. So he swam very well. 
the only thing that we can conclude is that God took the breath out of his body and it was time for him to come home to be with Jesus. You don't know, is it your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? You know, so often we take life for granted. We think, you know, we're supposed to get up tomorrow morning, we're supposed to brush our hair, brush our teeth, you know, clean ourselves up, put our clothes on, go do what we do in our day. We take life for granted. You do not know when your last day is on this earth. And I will tell you this, when, when the Bible says the day is the day of salvation, if any man hears my voice, don't harden your heart. If you hear God speaking to you today, listen to me, somebody. If you hear God speaking to you today, don't harden your heart because you don't know. Maybe this is your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, just like Bartimaeus. This was his chance, and he took it, and he asked Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when you ask God to have mercy on you, God will have mercy on you. He said, no man who comes to me will I cast out. When you ask him for help, he will help you. When you ask him for salvation, I'll wait while you clap your hands. Would you do that? When you ask him, he will help you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.